you'll have known if you've been around for any length of time that we've been preaching through uh, the book of Acts. And uh, what we normally tend to do is have different preachers from within the church, within the wider church, from the other sites as well, uh, come and visit and preach and bring God's word to us each week. So that would be Jonathan, who leads the church, uh, Johnny Meller, Rich Pitt, Andy, and myself sometimes. There's a team who preach uh, through the series, and then occasionally we'll have site-based preaching as well. Well, the update to give you is that over the autumn term, we are going to have monthly site-based preaching. Uh, so the... Uh, that gives each of the sites opportunities for other preachers who are based in the site to speak into situations, to speak into uh, issues for us, particularly as a site. Uh, and that's, um, that's something that I'm excited about and um, I think is going to be a good thing for the church. Uh, what we are also having, just to update you in terms of our preaching series, uh, we've got two more weeks of Acts after this week. And then we'll be embarking on a series in the Book of Judges. Okay, so we're going from Acts to the New Testament back to the Old Testament book of Judges. So uh, if you have perhaps never never read the book of Judges, why don't you pick it up, have a look through, and uh, we're going to be going into the book of Judges uh, in a few weeks' time throughout the rest of the autumn term. But as I say, once a month, um, there's going to be opportunity for for myself here or from others of the team here to to preach to us as a West site, and that's what today's about. And one of the things I want to use this opportunity to do really is to sort of give us together as a site um, an opportunity to just take stock of of what God's been saying to us, what God is is speaking to us about the things that we are going for, particularly here at West Site, uh, and um, really to remind us of what God is saying and to speak into things that are kind of irrelevant for us here. So firstly, just a bit of an update really as to... um, where I see things are up to here at West and what we're going to be going for in this next term. That's okay. So firstly, um, over the last few months, we've had a couple of uh, vision and prayer evenings for the West site, which has been great. I know a number of you have been to those. They've been really wonderful evenings of of gathering together, of praying, of seeking God, of hearing from God as well. Uh, And God has spoken in a number of ways. Um, A specific a significant, I believe, prophetic word for us here at West was a word that was had um, about the site having been through a lag period, uh, and then that lag was preceding a time of exponential growth. So any of you who know about exponential growth charts, apparently that's what you have. You have a lag phase at the bottom, and then it, and then it goes into the exponential growth. And so God is saying to us um, that even though it may feel like we're down at the bottom of the curve at the moment, not, perhaps not a lot is happening, not a lot of growth, not a lot of movement perhaps, um, but God is saying, look, the time is coming when there is going to be growth, when I'm going to, uh, when I'm going to kind of put that curve up and um, there's, there's going to be life, there's going to be growth and that's something that, that, that I'm excited about. That's something that is really brilliant that God is saying to us, look, there's, there's vision for you ahead, there's, there's growth for you guys ahead as a site. Um, there's also been words and encouragements about b- seeing breakthroughs in God's kingdom being demonstrated, uh, healing, signs, wonders, things like that. Um, so those are things that um, I'm excited about seeing. Another thing that, that I think we've felt over the summer period and recently is that um, there's been like a time of what I would call pruning. Um, so there's a little picture of a pruning tree there. Um, so it, f- it has felt a bit like perhaps we've been pruned back uh, summer, summer period's quiet, lots of people away. We've also had all of the work that's been going on here at the, at the school, which has been, you know, a bit, a bit disrupt- 
bit of disruption. We ha still haven't been able to bring our kind of full PA back in yet. Um, we're still kind of running off this smaller rig, which has been fine. It's been great. But we've also, of course, said goodbye to some people. We've sent the wheelers to France. We've said goodbye to the Bassets going up to Manchester um, and others as well over the last year or so. I suppose we, we've been aware of that. Those of us who's, who's kind of been through that have been aware of a sort of of, of, of perhaps some people going and perhaps it feeling like a little bit pruned, a little bit stripped back. Um, and I think I've, I've been aware of that as well. But the thing about pruning, of course, is that it always precedes growth, doesn't it? Um, any, any, if you know, watch any episode of Gardener's World, uh, Monty Don will tell you that pruning is a good thing. <laughs> Amen? Because <laughs> the gardener's there. Because um, it, it precedes growth. It means that you prune a, a tree, you prune a branch, and, and, and it allows fresh growth to come through. So that is, again, prophetically, that is something that I, I feel really strongly that God is, God is doing that with us as a West site. He's perhaps pruned us back a bit, but it's because he's bringing growth, because he wants to bring growth. So growth is a big, is a big sort of feature. Growth is what I feel God has got for us as a site. Um, now, now, look, I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, I, I, I haven't got a magic formula or a magic strategy to make that happen. I just believe that this is what God is laying on us, and this is what God is saying to us, growth um, for us into this next season. What does growth look like? Well, as I start to dream, as I start to pray, as I start to kind of respond to God, I feel, well, I would love to seek God for growth in more people believing in Jesus, coming to know him, being saved, being added into us, uh, more new life um, in Christ. Growth, as I said, in demonstrations of the kingdom. would love to see more, uh, more healings, more demonstrations of God's power um, as we gather and, and, and through our life together. Um, also growth in, in unity and in our, in our community together, growth in our relationships, growth, growth in the depth of, 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 of relationship and community between us as a, as a, as a church, as a site. Growth also in our own spiritual maturity, growth in discipleship, you know, growth in, in, our, in the depth of our relationships with Jesus together. Growth in generosity, uh, both in, in our time and in our, in our resources, uh, financially. Growth in our mission and outreach. Uh, and that's something that we want to address this year as well, in terms of what, answering that question, what, what, what are we here for as a, as a site? We're here for, for God, primarily, but who else are we here for? The, the, the people out there, the communities out there on our doorstep. I would love to kind of think about that more over the course of the next year. And overall growth in, in fruitfulness. Um, and that, that, I think if, if those things happen in the course of the next year, then that will be a massive win, <laughs> don't you think? Well, I would love to see that and would love to be a part of that together. <laughs> Um, and so what I'd like to really, the uh, biggest thing really I'd like to ask from you as a site is to, to commit to pray. Um, why don't you get on board with that and to pray um, for that, to pray for growth, to, to pray for God to do these things. Um, also, you know, for yourself, um, to, to opt in to things that are happening. Uh, we've got life group sign up, which we're going to announce in the course of the next week and it will be available next weekend commit to joining a life group this term opt-in get involved in serving if you're not already obviously there's lots of ways you can sort of personally opt-in and get involved in this but I'd love to ask to, to commit you to, pr to to commit to pray in particular today's the start of a new term and uh, you'll see that you've got one of these 
term cards. Hopefully you were given one on the way in. If you didn't manage to get one, you can grab one from the host team table on the way out. Um, this is, just shows what, what we're up to this term, shows what's happening uh, between now and December. Um, as per usual, you can check out every, all of this stuff on the app and the website. Um, so if a piece of paper doesn't do it for you, then have a look on your phone. Everything's on the app. Um, but increasingly, I guess, as, as we do things in sites, there'll be things on the app that are happening in another site. Um, so, so this just summarizes really all the things that are particularly relevant for us at West. I just wanted to give you that, really, so that you had a, a quick glance kind of thing that showed you uh, what was happening at West this year. And you'll see there's loads of things going on. Um, we've got the river in a few weeks. Uh, we've got um, the usual kind of forward meeting later on in the term. We've got one later on in November, various Christmas things happening. Um, but in particular, I just wanted to draw your attention today to the prayer and vision evenings that are going to be once a month starting uh, next Sunday the 10th in the evening. They're going to be in the evening on a Sunday evening at Central House. Um, would really love to ask you to commit to coming along to those or to sending someone from a representative from your household at least. Um, I just think that that's going to be a really significant time for us to gather as a site to pray, to seek God, to hear more from God uh, and to allow him to continue to shape us as we do that together. So uh, once a month, prayer and vision evenings, but also loads of other brilliant things happening this term. So um, stick that on your fridge and uh, sync it with your diaries or whatever you need to do. Um, and, and I think what's significant here, what I love is here we are, the very first thing, Sunday, September the 3rd, baptism morning. And I, I'm, I'm excited about the fact we're starting this new term, this new season, with baptism, with baptizing Stacy, and with new life. It's like, a, 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 like the first shoots of spring coming through. It's like sign of new life, a sign of growth to come. I, I believe that prophetically. This, this, is, you know, this is obviously this is something we're celebrating. We're standing with Stacy in terms of her own walk with God and her significant steps she's taken in, in, um, in getting baptized. But for us as a site as well, it's like a first fruit of what's to come, I believe. So really excited about that. So as we start this new term, be encouraged. Be greatly encouraged. God is on the move and he has growth and he has new life for us ahead. Uh, and so we need to know, in the context of this, we need to know who we are. As Christians, we need to know who we are, we need to know what our identity is, and we need to know what we're called to. And so that's why I just wanted to remind us of that today um, by looking together at Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, and that's the passage we're just going to look at for the rest of our time this morning. Um, Isaiah chapter 61. And... Um, you can look it up in your Bibles. We'll also have the words up on the screen. We're just going to look at the first four verses of Isaiah chapter 61. And just to help us to, to, to wake up a bit more and to get engaged, um, can we read this out together aloud? Is that all right? Let's read this out together aloud, okay? So we'll follow it from, from these words that are going to come up on the screen. Okay, can everyone see that? Okay, let's, let's read together then. Verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor 
and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Fantastic. What's the context here to the passage, Isaiah 61? Well, Isaiah uh, is an Old Testament prophet. He lived in uh, Israel at the time that various different kings were ruling over the nation. He had a lot to say about what was happening in the nation and what was happening on the international scene at the time with lots of different empires rising all around and, uh, and th- various threats to, to Israel as a nation. Most of these kings, though, who, who rose up within Israel were unfaithful to God and they were unfaithful to the covenant um, that God had made with Israel. These kings, one after the other, had uh, led Israel astray. They'd led them into the worship of other gods. Uh, they'd led them into a kind of self-sufficiency. And they'd led them into exploitation of the poor. Um, lots of things that Isaiah had a lot to say about. In the first half of the book, um, Isaiah calls out Israel for its sin and pronounces God's judgment. Um, on, on the nation for their unfaithfulness. And in particular, he prophesies that, uh, that, that the Babylonian Empire will arise and will come and will ransack Jerusalem and will take uh, the remaining Israelites away into exile. And this was something that happened years after Isaiah lived. So it was a, it was a prophecy that kind of was, was, was way ahead of its time. And this actually happened. But the second half of the book of Isaiah, um, it focuses on Israel's future. He looks forward to the end of the exile, a time when God would restore his people back to Jerusalem. So some of the, the second half of the book, he's starting to, br- to bring seeds of hope. He's starting to talk about restoration, God restoring his people uh, to, 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 to the land of Israel. But also, it looks further forward. Uh, and many of the passages in the later part of Isaiah predict the coming of a servant of God, an anointed one who would bring both judgment but also salvation to Israel and to the nations of the world. And nowhere in the ministry of, sorry, nowhere is the ministry of this servant, this Messiah figure, more vividly portrayed than here in this passage, Isaiah 61. This is a really powerful, uh, strong kind of messianic passage that talks about this figure And the thing that makes this more explicit um, to how we understand this passage is the way Jesus uses it, the way Jesus refers to it. So Jesus, uh, while he's speaking in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, he uh, refers to this as well. So if you might have one thumb in Isaiah 61, flip over to Luke 4, and I'll just read uh, quickly from from that passage there in Luke chapter 4. It says in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Then later on in uh, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee, again, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. 
And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus explicitly links this passage to his own ministry, to his own work, to, the, to his own sort of uh, life. And I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. I mean, to that audience, it would have been like saying, I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. I am the one that this passage clearly speaks about. So this passage is clearly very, very important. You, we could go as far as to say this is Jesus' manifesto. He's, he's starting off his ministry. He's come back from, from, uh, from the desert. The first thing he does, the first thing that's recorded is he, he leads to this passage and says, this is what I'm all about. This is the very reason I came. This is why I left heaven and came down to earth and became a man. This is why I'm here to do the stuff that this talks about, to fulfill this promise of God. I wonder if you could summarize the passage that we've read, Isaiah 61, 1 to 4. If you could summarize that in one word, I wonder what you'd use. Maybe something to think about. Obviously, I've had a bit more time to think about this, so I already have a word ready. And that word is transformation. I think if you summarize what the ministry of Jesus is about, that's talked about here in Isaiah 61, I'd say it's transformation. Transformation is a complete change in something, a complete change in the, in the appearance, in the character of something or someone. And usually um, it carries the, the meaning of that thing is improved. If something is transformed, generally it has a positive connotation, doesn't it? Like, oh, it's been, it's been completely changed for the better. And that's what the ministry of Jesus is about. It's about transformation. Jesus came to transform people. He came to transform lives. And there's uh, a couple of things I just want to pick up, really, for us um, in that. The first is that I think we can say that Jesus transforms people's identity. Okay, Jesus transforms people's identity. Remember that God's plan revealed throughout the Bible is to undo the effects of the fall. Okay, we were all uh, made in the image of God, uh, made in, in imperfection, and then there was a fall that we turned away from God and humanity altogether. Um, although we were made with such potential, made uh, in the image of God, we're tarnished, we're fallen, there's sin has come into the human race, we're separated from God. And so a lot of God's plan, as revealed in the Bible, is to undo the works of the fall, is to restore humanity to himself. Jesus came to establish a new covenant between God and humanity. The people of Israel had the old covenant, but they'd broken it. They'd been unfaithful to it. But God's plan was always to establish an eternal covenant, not just with one nation, but with all of the nations of the earth. And that was what this Messiah, this anointed one would do. Filled with the Spirit, they would come and they would establish this new covenant. And obviously this, this one was his own son, Jesus. And part of this ministry was to transform lives was to transform people notice first of all the, the people that jesus comes to help the poor the brokenhearted 
captives, prisoners, those in darkness, those who grieve and mourn. And there's a link here with uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 5, what's called the, the Beatitudes, the bit where Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are the various different people. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are the people Jesus has come for. Now, what do these people have in common? What do these groups of people have in common? I'd say it's that they all know that they have a need. They all know they have a need. And this is the starting point for a transformed life. It's knowing that you have a need. It's knowing that there's a desperate need. It's, it's having that poverty of spirit that says, I, I need something here. I need God. I need help. That, 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 that's the position we all need to get to, isn't it, before we come to Christ. There's a position of need. We're, we're not self-sufficient. We're not doing it on our own. We realize we need God. We need help. We need rescuing. We need support. A bit like Israel would be in exile when all that they relied on was stripped away. All of their confidence in the land and in the city of Jerusalem. And in, you know, they thought they, they had it all. And it was all stripped away. And they had to come back to God and say, we're poor, we're, we're captive, we're brokenhearted, we're mourning, we need you, God. We return to you. So a starting place for a transformed life is knowing you have a need. And this includes knowing, for us, knowing you've messed up, knowing you've done things that are wrong, knowing that you have a need for forgiveness. But it's also for those who are brokenhearted, for those that are poor, for those that are downtrodden, are disadvantaged. For those who have very little in worldly terms, it's, it's saying, I, I know that God cares about me. God is interested in my life, even if the rest of the world around says that I don't matter. So Jesus comes to people like that and proclaims good news. He sets them free. He brings relief. He brings healing and restoration and wholeness. He binds them up. I love that, binding up the brokenhearted. It, somehow it reminds me of the Good Samaritan and the, uh, how he, he got hold of this guy and took him on his, on, his, on his donkey and took him to an inn and bound up his wounds. It reminds me of that. Jesus does that for us. He binds up the brokenhearted. He proclaims a year of jubilee, a cancellation of debts, a fresh start. And in a little while, we're going to hear Stacey's story. She's recorded it, pre-recorded it on, on a video, and it's being played at the other sites as well. And, uh, and this is exactly what you, you can see has happened in her life. It's wonderful. God has met her in a point of need uh, and shown his, his love and his grace to her. And Isaiah uses some powerful imagery to show what this looks like in a person's life. Okay, now I'm going to need a volunteer. Um, who'd like to, anyone, anyone feeling brave would like to volunteer to come to the front and uh, allow me to um, adorn them with some props? I can see you're all just gagging to this. <laughs> a lot of people avoiding eye contact right now. Come on, Dennis, nice one. Come on, up you come. <laughs> Right, I have some props. Nice one, Dennis. My pleasure. Good to see you. Would you just like to stand here? Okay, so first of all, what we have here is, um, is a prop. Well, no, is a, is a person who's very important to God and to us. But he is a person who is, is in mourning 
and in despair and he is, uh, is in need, recognizes that he's in need. Okay, so he comes to God. And what happens? What does God do? Well, it says, first of all, he is given a crown of beauty. Would you like to put this on your head? I'm afraid these props, so they're not really up to Anna O'Brien's standard. Well, uh, <laughs> 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 anyway, that's, imagine, you know, that's a crown of beauty, okay, a crown of beauty. And it's a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And ashes were put on people's head as a sign of mourning. It was like a public display. If you walked around with ashes on your head, people knew, well, that person's in mourning. That person has lost something. So a crown instead is something royal. It's something, you know, that, 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 that he, look, he, looks, he looks majestic, doesn't he? He looks royal with a crown on his head. He looks digni- dignified. <laughs> okay, a crown of, of beauty instead of ashes. So an exact substitution. Ashes, mourning is taken away. Crown of beauty is given in its place. Uh, then we have the oil of gladness. I'm not going to pour that over you, but if you just like to hold it. The, the oil of gladness. Okay, the oil signified um, gladness. It, it, didn't, it wasn't to do with sorrow. It was to do with kind of health and well-being and wholeness. If you put oil on your face in, in that culture, it kind of showed that you were, you were well presented. You were kind of, you know, you, you were in, in good shape. Um, and so he, God gives the oil of gladness instead of sorrow. And then he gives a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So he's in despair. God comes along and adorns him in a garment of praise. <laughs> he's looking very, very good, <laughs> don't you think? He's looking royal. He's looking, he's looking like a different person. He's looking like a transformed person, right? He's looking transformed. Now the robe, uh, it, it talks in terms of um, the, the, the robe that's, that's been given. It's like a, an all-encompassing wrap or mantle that's been put around his shoulders. So everything underneath has been covered. He's, he, he's got a new appearance now. He looks different, uh, and he's completely changed. It's also, again, it carries the idea of elsewhere in the Bible where we see a robe given. The prodigal son is given the best robe, isn't he? When he returns to his father, he, he, give, he puts the best robe on him. And Joseph is favored by his father. He's given this richly ornamental robe. It carries that idea. God comes and gives a robe uh, of, of praise, a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair. And so he's transformed. He's a new person. Hallelujah. Do you feel good about that? Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Would you mind just sitting down there? I'm going to need you again in a couple of minutes, if that's all right. <laughs> Might be more than you signed up for. but. <laughs> okay. So your whole identity has changed. When you come to Christ, this is what he does for an individual. He, 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 he transforms darkness, despair, captivity, brings new hope, freedom, the favor of God. And he brings a certain hope of growth. I love the fact that he says, they will be called. Whatever they were before, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of what does it say again? A planting of a planting of the. Come on, help me, someone. For the display of His splendor. Thank you. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That is it. Planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. I love the fact that the oak tree 
is one of the largest trees, isn't it? It's one of the strongest trees. If you plant an oak tree, you know that its roots are going to go down deep, its branches are going to go up high, it's going to probably outlast your lifetime, and it's going to leave a legacy on the surrounding landscape. It's a, it's, it's a majestic thing, isn't it, an oak tree? What this means is that as a person is transformed by Jesus, they're now destined to display the Lord's splendor. They have a new identity, a whole new direction of their life. They're destined to have an an effect on the landscape around them. So Jesus transforms our identity. He gives us a new identity, but he also transforms people's destiny. He gives us a new future. He gives us a new destiny. Again, the exiled people of Israel were in a sorry state. They'd lost everything, their national identity, their dignity, their sense of pride or self-sufficiency everything had been stripped away they had absolutely nothing and yet as they returned to God he said he would come in the form of his anointed Messiah to proclaim this restoration to them and it says in verse 4 they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore places long devastated they will renew ruined cities and this was this was literal for them okay so this actually happened they We see it in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. The exiles gradually return to Jerusalem. It's completely in ruins, but they, bit by bit, they start to rebuild it. They they construct a temple with even greater glory than the former one. So that actually happened. This prophecy came true. They restored the ancient ruins. But that was then. What about now? How does that bit refer to us? How do do we do that? How, how, How is this are calling on our lives too. Well, here's how commentator Alec Motya explains it. Okay, this is really good. The picture of the return from Babylon into a desolated country is a motif of a greater recovery, i.e. entrance into the true kingdom of God, the land of spiritual inheritance in which every breakdown of the past is mended no matter how long standing. Isn't that amazing? That, 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 that's what it's about. For us to be those who rebuild ancient ruins, who restore places long devastated. For Jesus to do that in our lives means restoration. So we we don't just have a new identity, but things are changed. Things are restored. Ruins, things long devastated can be mended, can be changed. So, Dennis, back again, mate. For us, as redeemed subjects of King Jesus, dressed in these new robes, transformed, we then become those who can participate with him in rebuilding, restoring, and renewing. We get to go to work with the master restorer. Okay, and again, I'm afraid these props aren't, aren't that good, but they, they're at least symbolic. So th- these, are, these, are, these are tools of restoration, okay? <laughs> if you're going to restore something, you'll probably need a spanner and a... Uh, uh, one of these at some point or other so there you go <laughs> tape measure that's the one yeah yeah Fundamental. <laughs> absolutely got to get that right so clad in new robes th- and this represents each of us who are Christians okay God has done this for each of us and he puts in our hands tools of restoration and he says to each of us you can come with me and be part of my work of restoration Okay, thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. You can go and sit down now. Well volunteered, fantastic. 
And that we can do this stuff because the same Holy Spirit that anointed the anointed one, Jesus, now anoints us as well. No wonder said, Jesus said in John 16, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So Jesus has gone and he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's sent his spirit. And so his manifesto becomes our manifesto. His ministry, his mission becomes ours. So I don't know how you're feeling at this point, whether you're, this is inspiring you and you're thinking, yes, amen, or whether you're kind of thinking, well, this doesn't really match up with my experience. Perhaps transformation isn't a word that you'd use to describe your Christian experience. Just to encourage you on that one, notice that the metaphors that are used are significant here. Oaks of righteousness, rebuilt ruins. These are things that imply slow, patient maturing and reconstruction. This isn't a a zap, massive transformation in that sense. Now, obviously, some of us who come to faith, you know, sometimes when people do come to faith, there is a, a dramatic change. You know, we're born again. There's, a, there's, a, there's an overnight change. There's, there's something that changes rapidly in our hearts when we come to, to faith in Jesus. Often that happens. And so, you know, you, you might know in your own life or in the lives of others who've come to faith that there's a big change and you can see the work of God in people's lives very evidently. But even after that happens, there's then slow, patient, maturing. There's then gracious, gentle, bit by bit, patient reconstruction. And that's, that, that, that's what it's like for all of us. Transformation, it might sound like a big kind of word, but it, it, does, it can happen for each of us in our day-to-day lives and in the lives of those around us. And transformation, it, the thing is, it can feel messy. A bit like this place over the summer, your life can feel a bit like a building site sometimes. There's things being dug up, stuff being unearthed, foundations being worked at. It can be painful, it can be messy, but it's worth it in the end. I don't know about you, coming in this morning, seeing the nice new tarmac car park, starting to think, oh, okay, all right, not far, and then we'll have a, a really nice new facilities here, and it'll all be much better. It's worth it in the end, even if the process is, is, is painful and difficult. So let's, let's bring, bring some of this home, just as we head for a finish. I hope you have got hold of this truth today that God can transform your life. Many of us, we know that anyway. We know he's done it as we came to faith. But, but again, God can transform your life, transform your life and he can, he can restore your life as well. He can rebuild. He can, he, can, he can undo devastation. He can undo things that have been ancient ruins even in your life. What, what might that mean for you? That might... That might mean habitual sins. It might, might mean negative patterns of thought. It might mean freedom from past experiences that still hold you back or, or that you still wrestle with. I want to say, if, if, if you know that that's right, if you, if you feel a sense of, oh no, that couldn't happen for me, or oh gosh, that you're just aware of the, the ruin, you're aware of the mess, you're aware of the building site nature of your life, if you like. I say just let, acknowledge your need, come to God, confess your sins, receive his spirit and partner with him in his work of transformation in your life because he's making you to be an oak of righteousness. Each of us, that, that's the case. 
So for some of you, perhaps in a moment we'll, we'll pray and perhaps that's, that's, what, that's where you need to respond. But for others, I felt there was, it was important to, to, to bring this home as well. For others, perhaps you need to hear today, God can transform the lives of those you care about. So that's important too. That's an important thing to, to grasp and get hold of. Perhaps there's family members, perhaps there's um, friends who don't know Jesus. People can seem so far away, they can seem so stuck in their ways or perhaps resistant. But verse 4, it says, they will restore the places long devastated. It's kind of things, almost things that passing generations were unable to mend. And yet through the anointed one, long-standing brokenness can be restored. And he will use you to do this. So maybe... Yeah, maybe it's family members, maybe people you've been praying for and perhaps given up. <laughs> or maybe people you think, sometimes it's, it's hard, with people who are closest to you, isn't it? You think, wow, they're, they're so stuck in their ways, how could that possibly change? I think God just wants to bring faith again to some people here, that, that, that he can do it. He is the great healer, restorer, transformer of people. And uh, that's what he's in the business of doing.